0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host alongside me, Elliot, the Ductator tater himself. How you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing pretty good, just kind of contemplating what to do this weekend. You and I are talking a little bit about plans for the next hunts and everything, and, man, I'm in a limbo state of what to do, so... I don't know. I'm kind of restless. I need. I need to get into some ducks, man. I need to get some ducks.
0: Yep, season will be out of here before we know. I can't believe it. I really can't believe it that uh, it just seems like yesterday we're saying that season's finally here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it goes so fast. It it just rips right through. It it's really crazy because uh, I mean, the
0: off season does not go this fast. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I I find for me personally, like the older I get, the faster months go by. It's like, and I'm 47 now, and it just, especially when you're a kid, it, you know, like three months is like 10 years. It seems like, but even <laughs> like from my 20s to my 30s to my 40s, it's just unbelievable how fast it's like progressing so quickly. Like, slow, let's slow down a little bit. I can. <laughs> Hold off from reaching death a little bit, <laughs> but the hunting season's like that, man. It's on and it's over. It's like boom, boom. You,
0: you, do you think that the reason that time feels like it's going by faster is because, like, a day compared to all the number of days you've lived is just smaller in, consp- in comparison to to when you're younger.
1: You know what I just thought about? I think it's technology. <laughs> Because you know how like um, when you're bored and you're looking at a clock and you want time to pass how slowly time passes. And then when you're having fun, you don't think about it. And it just like flies through. Well, think about it in the past because smartphones, <laughs> I can, I can literally remember the first time I saw a smartphone, I was uh, a coworker. I didn't even heard of it. You know, I'm not like big into new tech stuff and everything. And, and a coerce like, Oh, check this out. And like all of us, Sitting around like, oh man, and it was just like this, this thing. I had no idea what it was. And now, instead of when you're bored, like looking at the clock, you go to your phone, and you <laughs> engage yourself in interesting things. And I, I just thought, I bet you any, anything that that's why time seems like it's progressing quicker the older I've gotten because technology is progressing so much that you just fill your mind with this uselessness to eat up the time.
0: Mm. That's an interesting perspective.
1: <laughs> how are you with your phone, with your phone by the way? It's like would you consider yourself addicted to it?
0: Uh unfortunately
1: probably. How how often do you like go to like like do you get your weekly screen report stuff? <laughs> um yeah I don't I guess I haven't looked at it in a while. Mine comes up as a notification and mine came up the, uh, the other day and said my screen time was down, I think, like twenty percent, and it was only like three hours and twenty minutes a day. Mm. like ooh, that's a lot, yeah, if I think. you think about it that's a l that's a lot of looking at it for short periods of time, yeah, I think mine's a lot, uh, I think mine's more than that, but man, but do you but see when I get home, I go to my laptop, yeah, uh. so you know, and when I get home, I'm on my laptop like a ton during the night, so I'm, yep. If, if you're just on your phone, I'm sure I've got you. I don't know. <laughs> it's an issue, man. It's a problem. Is yeah. it, is it a problem?
0: <laughs> I don't know. You seem, you seem pretty sure the first time you said it, then you backed.
1: Oh, I know, but then I'm thinking, okay, well, uh, I guess if I, if let's just say my phone was just taken away, it was gone for a week. Um, how, how would you fill your time? I what think, would I think we'd all be a little bit more productive. Like what? Like, give me give me specifics.
0: Uh, like uh, let's say you just have like your honey do list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and I'm sure all of us have it, even if it's not like written down. There's things that you could get done in life. Um, that it's just a lot easier to be like, man, I got an hour here, or maybe maybe it's not even like, man, I got an hour here. Maybe it's like I got some downtime. Let me look at my phone real quick, and that that quickly turns into way longer. And then it's like, well, I don't have time
1: to do anything else anyway. You know, do you you do a lot, but would you do a lot of like work, work, um, after like when I get after home after work, I'm pretty much like, I'm not going to work. I'm tired. I've had a long day of work. I'm at home. That's my chill time. So even without a phone, I'm not like going around being productive. Yeah. I'm just during, during the
0: weekdays. Would you be, I'm not, I'm not a chill kind of guy. Like I don't like to just chill out. Um, I do like if I guess if I'm extremely tired, but uh, you know, same thing if work's kind of got you, you're real tired or whatever.
1: But like, I really got to stay busy one way or another. Oh, not me, man. Not me. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. My mom says that my dad was a houchin', and she and I went one time, she's like, man, yeah, houchins, they just need a lot of downtimes. <laughs> I guess it like runs in my family from my grandma. To my dad, I can sit on the couch for a long time. But before smartphones, I was just watching TV or playing Xbox One. I yeah. mean, that's what my last system I had. It's been a while. But So it's like if I wasn't looking at my phone, I guarantee you I would be reading more books because that is the one thing that, that smartphones have taken away from my life is reading books, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I don't know where. Who knows? I don't the, know where I was going with this conversation, <laughs> but it's just interesting.
0: Time goes too fast is pretty much what you're saying. I don't know. I, yeah. I saw. I can't remember. I saw some type of article in the past where pretty much they're saying like the reason that that time goes fast is because of just how much time you spend on Earth. Um, like the older, like when you're young, I'm I'm, I'm struggling to explain this, but <laughs> when you're young, when you're a year old, one day is a lot longer because be- because it's literally in relation to how long you've been alive. It is a longer period of time, but once you get
1: percentage based, but that's that's percentage versus perception. Though. I don't know about that. You don't think so? No, because like it's a longer time. If you base it on the percentage of the time that you've been alive. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. That's the same thing as perception of time passing.
0: Like, I think, well, I think you know, so because when you're, when you're younger, I remember taking like car rides cause our relatives lived like four hours away and they, they felt like they took an eternity. Like when yeah. I was like five years old, it took like an eternity. Now you do yeah. a, a four hour trip now and it's just like, you just, you know, you, it just doesn't feel that bad. Yeah,
1: that's true. Do you ever hear the, like the um, kids say, like my daughter this all the time and finally I just let her have it. That it's like, she didn't want to grow old because you lose your imagination. <laughs> have you ever heard that that people say that? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard that a lot. Oh, man. It's the dumbest, most garbage comment ever. It's like, I'm not going to get into it. I, she kept saying it like, <laughs> like, look, your brain's not even developed until you're 22. You don't have a better imagination than any adult, you're just a little kid. Shut up. I told my daughter, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually say shut up. <laughs> Although is my daughter why, if-
0: is this why you get all these comments about being mean? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly telling like little eight year olds
1: to shut up. That's <laughs> exactly why you're dumb. Shut up!
0: I don't have time to explain it. You're just dumb.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did tell my son one time when I was pissed off. He is a real real attitude this kid, and uh, man, he was just trying to buck up to me about how smart he was. And we were in kind of a conflict and I did kind of pull on him the whole brain. You know, you don't have a clue, man. Your brain isn't even fully (laughs) developed yet. You don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, I can see, I can see it some with the imagination thing because I mean, I got a daughter that's three and like, man, she, I don't even know where she pulls some of this stuff. Like she'll be talking about like a thing like it actually happened. It's just something She's been imagining all day, you know. And well,
1: I, I think, and I think once once males go through puberty, their imagination just goes.
0: To-
1: <laughs> it, oh. They don't <laughs> want to talk about their imagination. <laughs> yeah,
0: I guess there's that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I try to keep a pure mind. That, actually, yeah, <laughs> I work hard. Work is a full time job as a guy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail your talking about your little daughter. Right? <laughs> that was inappropriate timing.
0: <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this, this uh, intro anyway.
1: <laughs> about her imagination. About yeah, her
0: no, girl. I mean, I, I think, yeah, uh, as, a, as a kid, a lot of times, I don't know if they have a better ina- imagination or if they just don't realize the, like, the difference between imagination and real life.
1: Well, I think, yeah, and I think also it's like having a new toy. It's like okay, you know, at this point in my life, I'm all imagined out. I've had every daydream ever. It's like little kids—you give them like a shiny rock, and they can stare at it for like five hours. Because everything's just so new. It's like it's like the world is just so fascinating.
0: Hmm. And then when
1: you get old, the world's just depressing. <laughs> yeah, it just beats you down with like a club, man. <laughs> That's why, that's why you, the older you get, the more tired you look. And I think it's like God's way of just preparing you for your own death. Finally, you're just like, okay, take me. I'm done. I'm <laughs> so tired. Just take me home, man.
0: <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm struggling to find a good transition.
1: <laughs> I did see, I did see some meme, um, that was about, it was showing like duck hunter at the end of the season and it was um just this tattered, ragged guy standing there. His beard is like <laughs> three feet long and and uh just kind of like life beating you down. Duck hunting season can do that too. Oh yeah. it's just like I'm tired, man. Can I just have a weekend where I don't feel <laughs> weirdly compulsed to get up at three to four o'clock in the morning and <laughs> go out in the dark and do all this work and yeah. Can I just sleep? Because yep. you know the season keeps going, we keep going. The only reason we stop is the season stops.
0: Yeah, I think at some point though our schedules would kind of get uh <laughs> lined up a little better.
1: Yeah. To, uh, you I know. do feel a relief when it's over, honestly, that the compulsion oh, yeah. and the the compulsion can just be like, okay, I don't have a choice, I can't do it now. Thank you. <laughs>
0: yep. well i guess let's let's uh give a little um i guess a little teaser into what we're gonna talk about today, so um we got a little bit of updates on the hunts and also we're gonna be sharing our essential items from duck season um you know my duck season is over locally. Can you believe that it's over,
1: <laughs> oh man, I got four weeks four weekends left
0: yeah. Well, there you go with your uh, your central flyway over there in, in Kansas. You start before me and got four weeks after me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's so, a good deal. Good deal. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to talk about our essential items from the season. Um, you know, there's plenty that I can think of. So, But, yeah, before we get into the main part of the podcast, let's get a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into it. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Gunner Kennel's American-made, double-wall rona-molded. Uh, guys, peace of mind. That's that's what we like to say every time we talk about the Gunner Kennels. Um, having your dog in the back of your truck in the best dog kennel on the market definitely gives you peace of mind. Five-star five crash test rated. We've seen the testimonials. We've seen horrible accidents. We've heard the stories, and people's dogs come out unscathed, and ready to hunt. So uh, our dogs are an investment. We put a ton of time into them. We put a lot of love into them. And, man, the stories I'm actually going to tell about this week, uh, Chief came in clutch. So uh, definitely, definitely want to protect our four-legged friends. So check out Gunner Kennel's code DUCKGUN10 for 10% off.
1: I'm sure by now all of you have heard about Boss Shot Shells. Now, this is the second season that Jordan and I have been using these. And after season one, I was saying, you know what? Um, I love these shells. And I keep very, very close figures of everything. How many shots I shoot, how many ducks I kill. Uh, So I know my shooting percentage. I know my number of lost birds and everything. And so I've gotten to watch the progression of my statistics going from steel to boss, which is a bismuth load. And a lot of my numbers were kind of similar in the first year between my transition. But now, now that I've gotten two years, this is two years in a row, my My holy grail of shooting percentage is 60%. It's like I what didn't really think that it was possible um, for me personally um, to shoot 60%. But this year right now, I'm at 61.5. Last year, I was in the high 50s. And I'm telling you, there's something. This, this boss shot shells with the bismuth just that higher impact because the shell is more dense or the, the pellet is more dense. I don't ever want to not use it. It is just an amazing shell and it just folds the birds. Obviously you're still going to miss some shots um, for poor shooting sometimes, but I'm telling you after two years, I am absolutely sold on boss shot shells worth the price. Go check it out.
0: Awesome. Also, also like to give a big thanks out to on X perfect for checking. Out property permissions on mobile or pc or mac whatever you got you can check them out um, from the public land to the private land Uh, i know i got just unbelievable amounts of pins on my phone currently i'd show you guys but you know waterfowl you gotta you gotta keep that stuff close to your chest um because i know that there's going to be people who would want to find my spots (laughs) but (laughs) that being said on x guys it's, it's perfect for actually getting more spots um, and that's partly why I pin so many places to check out place. You can just be driving along, pin it, find out the property owners tax address, go there, ask for permission and build up your repertoire. Is that the right words, Elliot <laughs> repertoire <laughs> repertoire? <Sounds good. laughs> I don't know. Build up your stash of hunting locations um, through on And not only that guys, it helps the public land hunter out as well. You know, you know where you're standing um, if it's public land or private, and you're good to go. So je- definitely check those guys out on your smartphone or PC.
1: I'm going to talk to you about HTR Innovations. Right now I'm going to tell you the product code is duck gun Space 10 for 10% off and free shipping. If you have not picked up the um, gun stand, you need to go and you need to get one. I'm telling you, if you hunt in the water and you ever sit in the water, this is what you need. Just last two weeks ago, I was in the A-frame We're in water. I didn't have my gun stand with me. And so when I got up, instead of putting my gun on the gun stand, I put it up on the A-frame, knocked it, fell off, muzzled down in the mud, filled with mud. I had to finish out my limit with Aiden's gun because I only needed one duck left and I wasn't going to. Anyway, if I had had the gun stand, I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. Once you start using this gun stand, and you're sitting in water, you miss it when you don't have it. So go check that out. There's other products there as well, but that's one I want to highlight because it's just a fantastic product.
0: Awesome. Alrighty. Uh, also, like to give a big thanks out to Motion Ducks, uh, guys. This product is perfect for the no wind days. You got the four duck or the seven duck spreader system. Um, it puts motion on the water. It's lifelike motion. Um, don't just take my word for it. Check out some videos. You can see on in and my videos, Elliot's videos, pretty much any, any guys from the flyways, they use it as well. Um, it sets up in minutes, tears down the same way you can carry it in. It's, it's, it's a super well thought out and super, um, awesome product. I love to use it and I use it 90% of the time this, this year. And there's been times where I've left it at home I said, ah, they're calling for twelve miles per hour, and sure enough, the weatherman's wrong, and we got no wind on the water. You have birds that get wary and that don't finish, and you're like, dang! If I just had that motion duck decoy spurter out in the set, I probably could have finished those birds. So, guys, you need to think about adding this to your to your system to your um, hunting tool set because there's plenty of times in the season where something like this is gonna give you. Um, a lot more success. So check out Motion Ducks. Uh, use code DUCKGUN2020. It gets 10% off and free shipping over with those guys at motionducks.com.
1: Now, for some of you guys, the season is over. And for all of us, it's coming and winding down. So it's about time to start that off-season um, wish list. And the best place to kind of start figuring out what you might want, if you go to banded.com, you can access Banded, Avery, and GHG. From waiters to all the clothes to the decoys, pretty much everything you need, dog training, dog stuff, is over there. And uh, I promise you, they've got a new line called Aspire, and that stuff is amazing looking. I don't think either Jordan or I have gotten a hold of any of those products, but I can promise you it's going to be on the wish list. So get over there, start looking at what you might want. And they typically, um, as soon as season over season's over, they start clearing some stuff out and you can find some amazing sales.
0: All righty. Um, also like to give a big things out to finisher. Uh, the product code we got guys is duck gun 15 and that gets you 15% off there at adrenal line.com. Um, this, this little tool, pretty nifty. It dispatches your birds and it's never been easier. You just slip it in the back of their head Twist it around, and that finishes off the bird for you. You know, gone other the days of the cajun crunch or struggling to wring the neck. You know, I, one thing I think that that doesn't get mentioned enough is how hard it is, um, especially. You know, I actually had one um, where didn't didn't have my finisher on me, and I wished I would have. And I was I was standing out in the water with a big old goose that was crippled, and when you're standing in chest deep water. There's nothing you can do to wring a goose's neck. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't happen. They're so heavy. They get all the water in them. So I walked over the boat and used the finisher on them. Um, so I don't think that gets talked about enough, but they're really, really good for those big Canada, goose, Canada geese that are super hard to finish. Um, but again, check out those guys. They have tons of different styles and colors and, and you know, just a cool little tool to hang right there on your duck call lanyard. So check out those guys. I think I said it at the beginning, but DuckGun fifteen gets you fifteen percent off at adrenal-line.com. All righty, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. So I'm gonna put you on the spot here, real quick, Elliot. All right. I need to go I need to go grab a Kleenex and I'm gonna let right. you tell the fellows something interesting. So I'll be right
1: back. Oh wow, just like that. Well, I want to say right now, I want to talk to you guys about um freelance on stats um, Jordan and I um, both use that website's website I had developed where you can keep all of your stats and statistics. It's just like a, a hunt log hunt journal. And uh, man, it, it brings so much enjoyment to what you're doing with your hunting stuff. Um, you know, I, a lifelong dream of mine. Well, we, we've done a whole podcast on it, but it was just a lifelong dream of mine to have that developed and I, it is so much fun to look back. I've got like 350 hunts logged, and I can look back at all the locations I've hunted and see, okay, at this complex, how many how many birds have I shot? At that complex, how do I do on a north wind day? It just it adds so much value in the off season or when you're just sitting around and, and you're just thinking about duck hunting. You can get on and look and play at that stuff. Um, it's FreelanceHuntStats.com. And, um, also you can, you can join crews and, and have your buddies and like Jordan and I are together in a crew. So I can actually go in there and put Jordan's and my numbers together and take a look at those and see how we're doing as a, as a group. So you can form groups and, and anyway, if you haven't had a chance, you can go and actually create an account and just check it out and you don't have to pay anything and you can log some hunts Now you won't have access to all the, all of the main features, but it'll give you an idea of. Kind of what it's like and what you can do, and then if it's something that you like, you can upgrade. It's only like two ninety nine, two ninety nine a month. So that's definitely something that might be worth your while. Um, yeah, I mean, just in time. I was running out. No man. Normally, normally when when there's like I've got to just impromptu talk about stuff. It's just like boom. I just got stuff to talk about. But tonight I I was, that was a struggle. <laughs> was that a struggle?
0: <laughs> Am I going to have to edit but, it out?
1: I, I don't know. I was talking about freelance Unstats. but it's just weird cuz norm, normally I mean like I've done um podcasts or uh live streams on YouTube on my own where I'm just talking non-stop, you know. But I don't know. I I was I put you on the spot. Yeah, little little blank. But, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good time to talk about freelance Unstats because it's Just a, it's just any kind of journal. If it's not Freelance and Stats, I know Matt from High Praise Sportsman, he uses just a regular journal. And I know a lot of guys do that regular journal, or it's an Excel spreadsheet or or whatever, whatever method you use, you should be keeping track of at least notes of when you get to be, you know, where you've hunted for 30 years, you want to be able to remember. 20 years ago you want to be able to remember 10 years ago you want to be able to remember those hunts the big part of why we do anything really is the anticipation of it up front and the memory at the back because the actual event is so quick and it's over so you're so excited with the anticipation until it happens two seconds it happens and then the memory so keeping some form of a journal or a log is going to benefit you if you're as crazed about waterfowling as we are
0: oh yeah definitely definitely couldn't agree more, although I've slacked this season because I might just want to forget it.
1: <laughs> it is it is harder to be consistent when you're not having success. It is, it is. But I'm to the point now where I've got so many years that I see such a benefit from having all of the information. Because you know, I, I want to look back on my favorite holes and see exactly how well it's produced. That's one surprise that I've seen over time is that I've had a perception that I'm doing better at a place and the actual numbers bear out. Because you may, I might have a couple just incredible hunts at a place. And like five years down the road, you remember those incredible hunts. And you might forget the ones where you shoot one or or two or something. And so having that because when you, when you're selecting where you're going to go, like a lot of us, um, especially if you're just a weekend guy, you can't not every time you go out are you scouting. Sometimes you're just like, I gotta go. I don't know where the birds are. I just gotta go. So having that layout of of numbers in front of you of of where what places have produced the best for you, under which weather conditions you know so so I and once you realize that big picture, it makes it easier to hunt all or to log all the hunts, even the bad ones, but there's actually my last skunk I have yet to log, but I didn't shoot it was like I don't have any data to to have to try to remember because I literally didn't pull the trigger, so it won't be hard to remember, but you got to get on it, man,
0: oh yeah, now I'll go back in there and backtrack a little bit see what i can uh can, can i do to fill out my season so <laughs> excuse me um but yeah let's go ahead and jump on into the podcast then and um you know i know we both got a little bit of updates so i'll let you go first
1: all right so i'm gonna tell the whole river trip then huh that that you that that's i think oh yeah let's go for it okay okay Georgie's getting a little upset. She didn't pull the... We're, she, we're recording right now.
0: She didn't pull the computer cords out, did she?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, no, I just got interrupted. Sorry, you have to edit that out for sure. <laughs> um, no, I'm leaving it. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right, so um, we had this um, big plant. All right, we, we we knew of, we know of this shack that's on this island on the river. And we've actually slept at it a couple of times. And um, it has a, a little 50-gallon wood burner in there. And and literally, it's just like logs thrown together and tied together. It's not like a cabin. It's just, out of the best descriptor I can get for it, it's just a shack. And it's on the river. It's on the island. And so we have always had this plan. Aiden and Dan and I have always had this plan that we were going to um, go out there, sleep in that thing in really cold conditions, and then try to hunt the river. And so we've just, we've never done it, We but we've always had plans. So this year, Aiden and I were like, okay, we're going to do it. We picked a weekend. We're going to go out. We're going to take the, put on the surface drive, and um, we're going to go up down this river, and we're going to, it's about a five-mile boat trip, and we're going to stay in the shack. We're going to do the whole thing. We got food with us. You know, we're all excited. And so, and in fact, Dan, I don't, if you guys don't watch the um, YouTube videos, um, Dan used to be on my channel a lot season one, season two, season three. He was a huge part of what I was doing, just a hilarious, comical individual. And he took about a two year break where he never showed up. He didn't. And I'm just, I get constant, Where's Dan? Where's Dan? Where's Dan? <laughs> Even, you know, two years later, he was just, he's such a big personality and he's just such. He's just so funny that people just crave seeing him on the videos. So he actually this was the first time he had come back with us for basically 3 years. And so I was really excited about this trip. Um but, so we started in the morning. First it was just Aiden and I and we started in the morning. We hunted this big reservoir because we were going to hunt just real quick, then we we're going to meet Dan at the river and we were going to go in, stay that night and hunt the next day. And so the the lake river hunt the lake hunt ended up being just kind of I don't know, kind of a bust. We got out there and there was actually pretty good movement in the morning. We were just setting up on this rocky shoreline and there was no cover right down to the shoreline. So, um, we just decided, all right, one person's going to sit back in the trees and film and the other guy's going to sit in this little makeshift blind that Aiden and I put together. Um, actually turned out to be a pretty decent, decent little blind. So right, right at sunup there's movement and there's quite a bit of movement and we've got birds kind of, circling and everything. And, and so shooting time starts and Aiden's got a Drake that comes down in and, and uh, it doesn't quite finish. He misses two shots. And then literally like five minutes later, um, there's a pair that come in and they circle a couple times and Aiden kills them both. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be a really good hunt because I mean, all this just happened like right away. And so then we switched where I went and sat in the blind and Aiden went back with camera and it just, nothing ever happened again. I mean, we actually saw, um, about an hour and a half into maybe two hours into shooting time, hundreds, if not probably two to 3000 ducks come up the shoreline and fly like they were going out, but nothing looked at us at all. And, um, so we, we wanted to wait till at least 11 to see if those birds were going to come back and they didn't. So that hunt just kind of ended up being a bust. We ended up with, with two mallards, um, and it was cold. It was cold that day. So we just got out of there, flew across the lake, got into the truck, talked to Dan. It's like, okay, we're going to meet you at the river now. At I think it was like, I don't know, one o'clock or something. And so um, we get to the river, put on, we get five, now <clears throat> we're going down river. So we're going to go, the plan is to go down river. It's about five, six miles and then come back up the next day. And normally we try to go upriver when we can, but in this situation, it's just the closest to where we wanted to go was going downriver, and so that's just what we had to do. We get five minutes into the boat ride, and the motor just done. It's just off, and I mean the prop, the motor would keep going, but the prop just wouldn't spin. And I think it ends up the transmission went out, is what we're being told, mm. which is I don't know about a seven to eight hundred dollar fix, which is awesome. <laughs> but anyway, so here we are now. Um, it's a beautiful day, but we're just. Floating down this very shallow sandy river, um, not many trees along along it, so it's you know it's like a um, plains river um, to give you a context of what it looks like, just shallow sandy. in fact, there's some places that are so shallow you can't you have to get out and walk the boat and then you have other places that you can boat and everything. so we're like well what the what the heck are we going to do because we've now it's like 12 miles to the next boat ramp. We do have a trolling motor. Um, and we probably could have turned around and got back to the boat ramp um, with the trolling motor, but we sat there for all. We all wanted to do this so bad that we're like, okay, look, <laughs> let's just go. Let's do it. We've got two batteries. We've got the trolling motor. It's, it's going to take us a longer time to float, but we've been planning this trip forever. Let's just go. Um, now, the, So the, on, the way, through,
0: on, the, on the second day, were you floating up or down then? We were floating down.
1: We are floating down, but the wind was so strong. It was actually pushing us up. So the whole time we were going down. Okay. Uh, but, but right now the water, the river so low, uh, it can't be going more than a mile and a half, two miles an hour flow. It felt like it felt, it felt like a mile an hour. And I'm guessing it was probably more than that, but that's what it felt like. So without the trolling motor, it's like you would look at the bank and when the trolling motor wasn't going, cause sometimes it'd get a little too shallow or whatever. And you just felt like you weren't moving hardly at all. And then, I'll tell talk more about it. But on the second day, we had the wind right in our face at 15. We couldn't have done it without the trolling motor because we were literally going backwards at mm. that point in time. So we, we did the, the, the five miles um, and the trolling motor did its job, but we didn't hardly see any waterfowl at all. We saw like maybe a couple of golden eye, but I mean, just nothing. It was just such a beautiful day and we we're having a good time. We we're having fun and everything. So we finally make it to our destination and we get up on the island and and we get to the shack and and actually the 50 gallon burner was gone, um, which was a surprise to us. But we still, we dug a hole in the corner of the shack in the sand and it's like a sandy, uh, the dirt trail sandy there. And, and we took some off of the top of the shack because it's just like leaves and sticks and stuff. So we actually still had a fire and and I don't know. I love camping out in a situation like that where it's like you're on an island, you're in this little thing. It's just. So much fun. It's so much fun. Um, but the the so at six a.m. this rain slash sleet slash ice slash snowstorm was supposed to be hitting and um the wind was supposed to be fifteen miles an hour in our face. And uh, so I was actually really worried that when we got to the boat ramp, it would be have ice on because they were calling for a tenth of an inch of ice, which is actually quite a bit. If you get a if you get a tenth of an inch of ice, there's like schools are canceled, churches are canceled, everything. That's and so, and actually that much ice on a boat ramp, and you're not, you're not going to back your boat down, your truck down, hook up your boat and pull it out. And so I was pretty, I was pretty concerned about that. Um, it actually ended up okay. Uh, it, the, the ice storm ended up being more of kind of a rainy slushy thing where there really didn't have the ice build up. But the next morning um, we were, we were at this point, we pretty much knew we weren't going to hunt, but had we just come up across some kind of massive group of mallards and geese on a sandbar. My guess is we probably would have done it anyway. I mean, we had all the equipment with us and everything. Um, But we did, you know, five, I think it was six miles we did into a 10 to 15 um, wind right in our face. It was about 30 degrees and like that cold, icy rain right in your face. It was, I mean, it was cold, man. (laughs) It was really, really cold. And you're just sitting there, you know, with this little trolling motor putting along, and all this gear and and so the whole thing was really, really fun and we talked a lot about this, and I talked about it on the video is that in our in our li in our modern day life, you know we are we live in such a soft little eggshell. That when you get in a situation where, you know, hey, we don't have a motor, we just have this little trolling motor, we've got these wind and, and rain elements, and you're just like taken out of that safety. Now, we were never in danger, but it certainly felt like a situation that you're trying to endure and get through and get to the other side. So it's, it's like an obstacle, you know, and in the whole, we didn't ever hunt or anything, but the whole trip and, and Dan was being there's one of my favorite videos I've made of the year, actually and uh i find myself rewatching that one more than a lot of the others it was just it was just a great great experience one that i'll look back on um with a lot of positive feelings i won't look it back on it quite as much when we have to get that boat fixed but um it was just a great time it was an unusual waterfall weekend for sure
0: oh yeah no it's like you said though i, I do like i how you kind of mentioned how Um, stuff like that just puts us out of our normal element. And, you know, that is a lot of duck hunting. Um, I, I think that's something that, uh, a lot of people nowadays just don't experience, um, you know, having to push yourself, um, kind of, you know, to, I I don't, I'm trying to think of the right words to say, but like you have to push yourself to stay out there and endure through the cold and all that, um, you know. And in your camping situation, I know it's not the same as waterfowl hunting, but you still had to to get back to you know where you guys were going and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that honestly, that is one thing I kind of enjoy about it uh, because we just wouldn't be doing it most of the time if it wasn't for um, duck hunting and those type of adventures. So uh, definitely a lot of them fun, um, and and a lot of times a lot of fun once you once you get back and look back on it.
1: Yeah, there's something about because it's like we all try to say, well, it's about the killing, and and it's really not. But for some reason, without the killing, we don't seem to do it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I mean we do. I do take a lot of trips to the marsh off season, but still, you know, it's like that's what gets you there, and then you get to enjoy and fully appreciate all these other aspects. Yep.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, one hunt that I wanted uh, to kind of talk about and mention about. Um, Uh, so been doing a little bit of river hunting here. It's been freezing up pretty good. I know in the last podcast talked about that ice hunt. So, um, pretty much ever since then, we've been a lot of freeze up and lock up all the, all the lakes and ponds have been froze up. So birds start flocking to the rivers. Um, our duck numbers haven't been great, but we've, we've got some, we've got some geese in the area. So, um, we were able to get out there and actually I re I rebrushed the whole, whole boat blind, um, got rid of the natural and went with some of those grass panels. Have you ever seen those Elliot? Yep. I have, I've used them. So I got the ones that were like they're I've never actually seen this color before, but they were like dark, almost like timber colored, I would say, compared mm-hmm. to just like, uh, your typical, um, cattail colored ones. So I took, mm-hmm. I took like, I think I took like eight of those and I wrapped it all the way around the boat. And I like it a lot better. So this is something I'm still gonna have to play around with figuring out the boat and all that. But it looked it looked way better. So um those are the
1: ones that are kind of woven together.
0: Yeah, they're woven together. I don't know if mm-hmm. you like grass mats or yeah. uh, whatever you want to yeah, call them. That's but what they're, we've
1: always called them as grass mats.
0: Yeah, they're they're uh tied together or weaved together, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, just zip tied them right on to the um I can't remember what that one's called. The blind I got, but I think it's a beaver, beaver tail boat blind or something. I don't know. Um, Amazon marketplace kind of, <laughs> kind of got the, I, I used, used one on that and slapped it on the boat. But, um, anyways, got those Avery, Avery grass mats on there and zip tied them on and, and we were off. So, um, we'd actually found some geese on this sandbar and or gravel bar. And so that's what we we're heading for I'd scouted out and seen that they're using it again. So, um, we took the boat out there, and and this was um, I don't know if this was a sim- similar time time frame. If we we're getting a, a system that was kind of pushing across the country, but we got a an ice storm, um, snowstorm, rainstorm all at once too. And from the time I scouted it and found the birds on the gravel bar on Thursday, and the time that we hunted it on Saturday, like the river went up like a foot, <laughs> mm. and so that gravel bar was completely gone. Um, and so we got there, and we're we're trying to talk about like. What are we going to do? Because that's what the birds were using. That's what, what, they, were, they, what they were coming there for, kind of to rest on that, um, coming back from the fields. So we decided we'd go ahead and, and set up, because I figured that would be the first day that it wouldn't be there. So um, I don't know what you'd normally do, Elliot, if you'd just be like, well, I mean, are the birds able to know that without coming back? Th- that's kind of my you thought.
1: You wouldn't think so, but it sure seems It like does it. seem like I mean, that sometimes. It seems like that. With weather and stuff, they just instinctually know, but you wouldn't think, yeah, so uh, and when you say gravel bar um is it really fine gravel or rocks or what
0: yeah, no, it's I mean it's gravelly, so um yeah, like fine little stones, <laughs> okay, um but yeah, so we ended up setting, setting up in up in there. Anyway, there was a down log across the gravel bar sticking across. So I put a bunch of shells on top of that. We threw out some floaters, um, and, and where the gravel bar was, I actually was able to stick in, um, like four or five silhouettes. So, <laughs> um, wasn't able to get as big of a set out as I wanted, but you know, enough to kind of let them know that there was a spot there. And, uh, um, sure enough, you know, about an hour in, we had a pair come in. I mean, they didn't even think twice, and they cupped in all the way, and bang, bang, we killed them, killed them real quick. And then um, we had one more, and he was just looking, and we 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 circled him, called him in, worked him, and knocked that one down as well. And then we had a pair come in of mallards, and <laughs> this is probably the, the the funniest or and most disappointing part of the hunt, but uh, two mallards. I mean, they just came right into the set. Whipping down the river, cupped in, and boat again. We're hunting out of boat. We're still getting used to hunting out of the boat. And I'm sitting down, and Hunter and my dad were with me, and they're both standing up. And so, between them, like sitting down and the birds cupping in, it was like my dad sat down, Hunter sat down, and stood up. And like the boat is just rocking hard. <laughs> and yeah, pretty much nobody can get aimed on him, and, and Hunter. Hunter stands up and goes 0 for 3. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we let those ones out. Uh, we we're really wishing we had those ones back. But then kind of getting back to, to the geese and that gravel bar, we did have some work over us. Um, you know, not a ton, but but some. And it almost looked like they didn't want to come into the spot because the gravel bar was gone. So, um, who knows? That's what, it, that's what it seemed like, especially after the first one's just working in um, real nice. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much the hunt. Uh, but, but a new spot for us out there on the river and, you know, um, here in late season, we get on a lot of those goose river hunts and I, just to kind of lay like the, the scenery on it. I mean, this river, it's almost, almost small up there. I'd, some people might call it a Creek. It's like 40 yards wide. So it's real tight and the birds at the drop right in there. So it's a lot of fun getting on little fun. spots yeah. like that.
1: Is it, and it's lined with trees? Yes. trees on Yes. Oh, that's cool. That'd be fun. Yeah.
0: It's honestly, it's, when you look at it, you're like, how do the birds get in here? But, I mean, they do. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, our river is definitely wider, and there are some trees, but you have a lot of just um, crop fields that go right up to the sides, right up to the bank. So it's it's nice and open. Yeah. Our, it seems our area, the rivers just are uh, lined by woods, so. Mm-hmm. You're smacking the forest, and we're right on the edge. <laughs> yep. Traditionally, uh, Indiana would have been all forest, right? And then they,
0: yeah, no, I believe so. Down the trees. I mean, there's different different things you can read about um, history of the North American continent and and mm-hmm. uh, what parts were prairie and which parts were forest. And I think a lot of it was forest, even out out west that you know typically we think of as prairie. So. Um, well
1: actually i mean the the forest is is now moving west because um they prairie fires used to be well first of all the rainfall drops significantly like right here where we're at the rainfall is about 44 um and this i'm on the side of the state then you get to the middle of the state and it's like 30 so that makes it that makes a big difference and then fighting fires makes a huge difference. So like where I live now was, was treeless 200 years ago, pretty much. Hmm. Then they start fighting fires and trees take hold.
0: Hmm. See some, uh, I'd have to find the book, but I was, there's a book that, that talked about this and, and um, I mean, their argument was that even before that, that a lot of it was forest um, before that. And it's kind of been like a constant battle of, of, of um, what you're saying, prairie fires and forest and all that. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, when one side loses, the other side wins. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely cool to kind of think about how it used to be and, and different perspectives on that. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think let's go ahead and jump to kind of our central items, uh, thinking about our duck season and, you know, what we've used this year. And, you know, I'll say for me, one thing that's been a super essential item, you know, even more and more is the kayak and canoe combos that I I run with, um, especially hunting places like the snake swamp um, or just anywhere we got to get in the water. You know, if you got a kayak, it just opens up so many more opportunities than just walk ins. Um, So for me, that's that's
1: an essential item. Yeah, um, I'd say one one over the last couple years is the A-frame and I, it's so funny because I remember all our initial conversations about A-frames and I was pretty skeptical about their effectiveness compared to a layout boat and I still ultimately think a uh, um you can get a layout boat if i if i'm just going okay i think if if you're properly blunt, uh, brushed up i still think a layout boat is probably better but i don't know you can make those A-frames look so just like a clump of weeds. You know, I mean, if you do it right, you can really, really make them look like they're not a man-made structure. But but anyway, um, sometimes we lay out and sometimes we take an A-frame. If we've got four guys, we do the A-frame in one layout boat. But that A-frame is just, man, when you get it in a marsh, it's so nice to be sitting up and not laying down. Now, sometimes I love laying down, especially on, I love solo kayak hunts, but that A-frame, we're just finding ourselves more and more pulling it, bringing it in, in the big boat and setting it up, or even pulling it in the sled behind our kayaks and setting it up. And I haven't done this yet, uh, but I want to try it on the river where we're setting it up on the river. And so it's really, that one product has changed. I think our hunting style more than anything else over the last couple of years is that, that A-frame and HDR is is the one I'm using. It's Jordan's company, HDR. And it's, it's just a, man, it's just a great great product and i'll have to say i was i was a little bit wrong about that product it's much more effective than i thought it would be even out in the open awesome
0: yeah definitely agree with you on that you know it's it's um it's like you said though we we use both as well and um you want to have as many tools in your tool belt as you can to to kind of figure out the the situation and do your best to um you know win win the hunt (laughs) per se beat the birds outsmart them um, and sometimes you're going to get in there and you're going to lay out That's something I got to do this year, um, which was a lot of fun. And then I went to the same marsh and used the uh, 360 solo blind, which I would consider that the closest you can get to a single version of an a frame. It's the same, the same concept with that. Um, you know, so there's definitely, definitely, you know, you can use a lot of these in similar situations, but one's going to be a lot of times one's going to be better than the other. So, um, I'm right there with you on using both of those. And I mean, honestly, I think my preferred method though, is that a frame style. It's just, it's just, uh, so comfortable, easy to shoot all that. But if it comes down to do <laughs> that and shooting birds, you know, if I have to lay out hunt to get them in, in a kayak or whatnot, you know, any, what any other situation I'm, I'm willing to do that and I got the tools for it. So they're, they're both definitely, definitely essential as far as that goes.
1: Um,
0: next yeah, one I it- got. Okay, go ahead.
1: I say it's it's a lot harder to film out of a layout boat. It, that's that's the most difficult way to film a hunt is in a layout boat.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: so hard. And with the a frame, I see I like on the goose on a lot of you guys um, still try to stay hidden behind the weeds with your cameras. But I've had a lot of luck just parting the weeds in front of me and laying the camera right on the a frame. And so your head, you're still only your nose above your nose is above the A-frame, but the cameras laying on the lip of it and parting those parting the grass and stuff and getting really good footage like that. I, I and and fooling the ducks completely that way. Oh, yeah. I, I think I don't think you have to film through the vegetation um, to be effective with getting the ducks in. Oh yeah. Awesome.
0: Um, next one I got. And we we kinda actually we talked about these beforehand and ended up realizing we had a lot of the same ones, but I was going to say mm-hmm. chief, you know, not an item, but a dog, whatever you want to say, a, a central part of the hunting. Um, and I didn't mention this when I told my, my story about the hunt, but when we had that pair come in, we shot them pretty much in line with us. And there's, there's a dog door that the previous owner of this blind, he, he literally just cut it into the blind. I would have had a hard time doing that myself. <laughs> I'm glad he did it though, because it's kind of mm-hmm. useful to have on there, but he literally just cut the blind and, and made a dog door um so chief chief sitting right there we shot him he jumps out into the water and swims he gets the first one and hunter jumps out of the boat grabs it from him and like by the time he did that with the current the the next one was like a hundred plus yards down down river and i'm like well just just send him on it and we'll see like if he can he can grab the goose swim up current and get to the gravel and walk back to us if not we have to um it's super, super annoying hunt at, hunting out of a boat blind at that point because you gotta flip up the blind, everybody's kinda reposition all their stuff, unload your guns for safety, um, you know, then get the boat, the anchor up, everything ready, the motor started, then run downstream. And in, in that amount of time, like there could be more birds coming in. So um, uh, but anyways, we send Chief on him, and sure enough, he gets on the bird, turns around. And like, he's just, it's almost like he's on a treadmill. Cause he's swimming upstream, trying to get through there with the big old goose in his mouth. And finally he gets to the gravel bar. And then from there he can, you know, it's just a walk in the park for him and he, and he, walks, walks back to the boat and, and, uh, you know, jumps in. So, um, super essential. So many, you know, so many different things. That's just one of them. Not only that, but the birds that we drop in heavy vegetation, like we would have no chance of finding them. Mm-hmm. Um, but dogs. Got a great nose. They're just amazing. Like I'm not even surprised yeah. anymore. It's just like you send them in there and like <laughs> um it's it's funny when your buddies get surprised. You're like, Oh yeah, I used to I used to be surprised like that too. But like Yeah. Now you just you just you're just you send them over there, you see him on scent and you just know he's gonna find it. So um and, and you're the same way. You got Georgie and uh so for us, um I mean you wanna give a little a little ode to Georgie here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean I couldn't I couldn't be more happy with her first season. The number one thing that makes me so happy is how steady she's been. I mean, she at this point just is rock solid steady. She went through a little phase about hunt 3, 4 and 5, but she's just everything I could ask for. Her only flaws are me um and things that I need to work on with her, but it's just I I can't remember having more fun with the dog she's just so fast and her drive is just i don't know if you watched the last hunt where it was like she's just got birds in the wind and, uh, and the, the wind's blowing so hard it's like white capping and she's bringing this mallards back and trying to keep her head up clear high above the waves and the waves are splashing on her neck and and splashing up into her face and ah man it's just so satisfying <laughs> to have a dog that does it does its job and and she has been everything is, that I could have asked for, really.
0: Is it, uh, is it weird that we're, like, so proud of our dogs? But, like, if you had, like, a buddy who was doing it, grabbing the birds for you, it'd be like, big deal. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I've i never seen anybody that could do any bo- buddy of ours that could do the things our dogs do. I know, do. no, I'm just. <laughs> My buddy strips down naked and swims out in the cold and brings a duck back in his mouth. I'll be pretty impressed.
0: Yeah, Yep. <laughs> We'll see if we can't get Matt and the collab to do it next year. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, but, uh, no, I definitely agree with you. And uh, it is funny cause dog people, is that, is, there, is it a right to call people dog people, but people, yeah. people who own dogs, hunters that hunt with dogs, we're all the same way. We're just all so proud of our dogs and, um, rightfully so, you know, um, there's definitely a, a huge bond between duck hunter and, and their dog. So, if you guys don't hunt with a dog, it's it's super highly recommended. I got a couple of buddies, Matt and Thomas, in particular, and Josh that don't that don't have dogs. They're all part of the collab, um, collective, collective. But uh, um, you guys are crazy. <laughs> you guys need to get dogs. It's so much fun. It's such a, yeah. it's just a whole other element to to um, to duck hunting. So.
1: It uh-huh. is. And there's been, there's been hunts where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad we have this, these dogs here because going out and yeah, especially high wind hunts where a lot of the birds, they get out in that wind and they're 50 to a hundred yards away on most are trees. Like, I don't want to be getting out and running after all those. Yeah. Yep. So my second one then, right. Um, yeah. I, we, a lot of this that we've talked about the first is about being versatile. And so, we've got three different style of boats that we use. We have our 18 foot well built with a Mud Buddy um, 4200 Ooh. surface drive on it, and then we've got two H12 um, Ascend H12 kayaks, and then we have which are about 85 pound boats, and then we've got a Old Town 119 Sportsman that's a 58 pound boat. And having those different arrays, there's times in which where I'm going to be doing long portages where I want to get a boat in somewhere and it's like, I'm so glad that I have that 119 cause it's so light and it's so easy to drag. It's not much more heavy than, than a sled. I mean, when it gets, it's just, it's just a great boat to have on certain situations. And then there's time where I'm going to be going a little deeper water where I want a little more stable boat and I want it to be a little bit bigger and carry a little more. And that's when they, that's when we've got the H 12s. And then there's times when I want to go out on a big Lake or want to go on the river. It's like, having that 18 footer, it's like duck hunting is so much about um, being versatile and be able to adapt to all areas. And and I just were to the point where having this fleet, I call them our fleet of boats is just, I cannot imagine hunting without these boats. I just, I mean, I went through times in my life where I was strictly a walk-in hunter and didn't have any boats at all. And I did that. And you know, that was in my twenties and now I'm in my late forties and oh man, I just cannot imagine I just can't imagine going through a season without these different boats. And so they just, they come in huge. And, and, you know, with all boats, I can drag in the A-frame behind them, whether it's in in a sled or (laughs) in the boat, whatever. It's just being versatile. It's just so important to, because being versatile allows you to get properly hidden. It's not just hunting wherever you want. The key is getting properly hidden Mm -hmm. wherever you are. You know, and that's what the versatility does. It gets you places, but it also allows you to be properly hidden when oh, yeah. you're in those places. Yeah. Which is, if you want to shoot them in the decoys, I mean, actually in the decoys, you know, where they're either hovering or, or right off, you have to be. for. Them.
0: Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I definitely couldn't agree more and, and getting my, my duck boat. Um, as an essential thing it's something that um we didn't need on a lot of our hunts we i used it um on the michigan chasing the opener second opener there and then for a long stretch i didn't really i didn't really need it for a lot of my hunts you know getting in the snake swamp and all that i mean you couldn't even use it but um here on the river you know it's it's going to be i think it's going to be something i use a lot the big boat um with the boat line so hopefully that's something over the years I get better at using and, uh, you know, uh, getting, getting some more birds with it. So, um, but yeah, I think that that pretty much covers it. But I do, I do want to mention because, um, when we're talking about our essential items here, um, I know we're going to get the messages. You guys didn't say shotguns. You didn't say ammo. You didn't say decoys. Obviously guys, all those are essential, but we're kind of going beyond like what you have to have and obviously, you. I mean, if we we're saying essential things, our licenses and all that. But I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of like the stuff we already know. So, um, kind of any updates, Elliot? Before before we jump off here, any uh, what's your future plans coming up?
1: No, I, d- I don't know what my future plans are. I you know everything is we've got to travel to get on the ducks and everything's frozen. I don't know. I, I totally <laughs> up in the air. Gotcha. I'll figure it out. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I won't be hunting this next weekend, so. Um, I think that that's the actually going to be the first weekend um, set since September 1st that <laughs> I haven't been out at least once on the weekend. So um, yeah, I guess I'll be scouting as soon as, as soon as I can and hopefully find them soon. But um, anyways, guys, thanks again for tuning in week after week. We really appreciate you guys coming into the new year. This is actually, is this is the first, no, this is not the first podcast. We've re- first podcast we've recorded of the new year, but um i think yeah that's all we got for today i'm jordan ducking chronicles elliot from freelance ducking we'll see you guys on the next one